Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner, and BizSimply is the all-in-one HR workforce management rotate operation software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. 99% of the restaurants that I come across, they have a profit problem and then a growth problem. And they all think they just need more revenue. Just tell me how I can get more butts in the seats. This is how marketing agencies really, you know, make their money. They say, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna help you uh, get a lot of new customers. And I'm convinced that I don't think people really need a lot of new customers. I think they need better ways of uh, retaining the customers they already have. Uh, they need a better way of serving them more profitably, more efficiently. And so that's the work we do. Let's make sure that we do what we do. You already do it really well is what I tell everybody. So now let's do it really profitably and then we can turn up the heat and then we can grow. Rather than working everybody 50% harder to make an extra two, $3,000, it seems crazy to me. Let's just work smarter and make way more money. I love the art of marketing and actually have found it very difficult through my career to become really good at it and really get like that clear understanding. And I met a few people on my journey that really helped me clarify and understand what marketing is. And this week's guest can really help you clarify what marketing is, but also improve your business performance in 2024. So please welcome Chip Close, restaurant coach and fellow podcast of one of my favorite shows, Restaurant Strategy. In this conversation, we hear about Chip's journey in hospitality and how he is now helping independent operators build profitable businesses and we take a deep dive into his new book, The Restaurant Marketing Mindset. And his blueprint he will share with you and the world. He teased out ideas that has presented around how you can actually improve your business from maybe just making a profit to actually make you know, significant numbers that actually can make you build a future that you want as a business owner. He shares his insane process of taking operators from surviving to thriving and profitability and in this conversation he shares lots of great insights and stories and learnings on how you can go and improve your business tomorrow. We discuss what great marketing is in restaurants and how you can develop your restaurant marketing mindset and become more confident in developing your business for the future. We also discuss some of the biggest challenges he sees that operators have right now and in the near future and what they can do to manage these. We also take a little diversion into the great world of business books. And I can tell you, Chip and I have some shared books we really love and have used as the backbone of our learning, but also execution of management and strategy over the years. This episode will set you up for next year. I promise you that. So find your pen, 
a notebook now and enjoy. Today, I'm very excited actually because I actually think I met today's guest for the first time under the pandemic. And that was uh, when we all were like throwing things out on the, the internet. And I think it was a clubhouse conversation. I think clubhouse still is the thing, but uh, I, I don't have the headspace and time for it anymore. But that was talk about how restaurant could actually learn from where we were and the challenges and how we actually build a future for that and and chip as the guest today was talking about that importance of yeah there's one thing is about you know you have all these things happening to you but actually you need to start looking at the your restaurant as a business and you need to figure out how is that going to make profit in the new era of hospitality and then i followed chip we shoot each other messages and then Chip decided to write a book, The Restaurant Marketing Mindset, and therefore we're here today. It's going to be very interesting to have a chat about how Chip actually helps actually chefs and operators to build more profitable restaurants because all the good we want to do in the world can't happen if we're not making profit. There will be no impact on people, community, or the planet if we don't make a profit. So welcome to the show, Chip. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we can finally have this conversation. So... Chip, for, for people who haven't met you or don't know what is the context for you writing this book and doing the work you do, can you just give a bit of a short journey, your history and why you actually ended up helping restaurant owners and chefs build profitable businesses? Yeah, so I, uh, I've been in the industry for 24 years. I you know, got through college uh, by waiting tables. I moved to New York City. I became entrenched in fine dining. Uh, worked my way up there and and spent a huge amount of time, you know, I don't know, 15 years, uh, really in operations there. The majority of that mm. time uh, opening restaurants and running restaurants. Uh, I've got 13 Michelin stars on my resume. I've worked with three different James Beard Award winners. I opened a Relay and Chateau property in upstate New York. I amassed a huge amount of, of operational experience, and I became really interested in marketing along that way, somewhere along the end of that journey. Because I looked around and I just thought, it, restaurants don't do marketing very well, or they don't do it at all, and and I think there's probably a better way of approaching it. So I went back to school, got my MBA, because uh, I wanted to be able to put all the pieces together, all the operational stuff that I already knew, and the marketing stuff that I was starting to become really interested in, and then all the other piece of it. You talked about profitability. You're exactly right. That's That's sort of the hill I'm going to die on. Because I looked at the way that restaurants ran and I just thought, I don't think this is entirely normal. I think this is way too hard. Why are we working so hard and not making a consistent, predictable return month after month? And I went back to school and I met a lot of really smart people and I got the answers to my questions. But that's it. 24 years in this industry. Over the last eight years, I've been a consultant and that has transitioned over the course of the pandemic into coaching. And now that's primarily what I do. I run a mastermind program for independent restaurant owners from all over the world. We're in four different countries, over mm. 100 people currently enrolled in the program spread across three different groups with the specific goal of helping people create consistent, predictable profits every single month. It's been a really cool journey. Uh, and this is by far the the most gratifying work I've, I've done uh, because we get to see the impact in real time week after week. Just hold on to that. Like what 
kinds of transformations do you see? Because I'm always very fascinated about when people go into groups like that yeah. and group learning and action learning, what happens. It'd be yep. great to share that with the with the audience. I'm happy to share that. So it's called the P3 Mastermind. That's the group I run. And, and I'm a big uh, believer of the sales profit growth model, right? Mm -hmm. So every business in order to, su uh, to succeed and grow needs to create a product that people want, uh, really a product that people are willing to pay for. That's evidenced by sales. So if you're doing revenue, if you're making money serving people day after day to the tune of a million, two million, three million dollars, euro, uh, you know, a year, from there, we can take them. So the people that we work with specifically in the group coaching model, and they come in for six months and they work with us two hours every single week over the course of the six months. And there's a very specific arc, a trajectory that they go through. But the thing that we check for is to make sure that they've got sales down, right? That they know what their product is, who their product is for, that they're generating consistent revenue every year. But the common thread in everybody that we work with is they just aren't doing it profitably, meaning they can't get a consistent 15, 20, 25% every single month. So for that, we help them with the second and third part of that three-step model. They've proven that they've got the sales, that they're doing revenue, and I show them how to do it profitably. Specifically, we give them simple uh, tools to show them how to actually forecast, how to set revenue targets for the day, the week, and the month, how to pass those along to your team, and how to then use those projections to generate budgets, right? That's how we get a very profitable restaurant. That's what the best restaurant groups in the world do. That's what I learned early on in my career working with really great restaurant groups. All I do is take those systems, give them a simplified version and pass them along to independent operators. And the last piece then is growth, right? Sales, profit, and then growth. If we can do something, right? If we can sell something and we can sell them profitably, well, then we can, we can grow it. Then we can put in systems that make it replicable, that make it therefore scalable. Because if you know how to make, you know, half a million dollars profit out of one restaurant, well, then why wouldn't we just duplicate this in a different market or open another concept? Because now we know the, the recipe for success. That really has a lot to do with marketing. And there's a specific way that I think about marketing. I talk about that a lot in the book. And in the group setting, it's about giving insights, sharing experiences, but then holding people accountable, saying, great, in order to accomplish the following goal, you are going to do the following things. You're going to do those things by this date, and you're going to report back. So you can come back and say, yeah, I didn't do it. It's like, okay, you're paying for the program. You're in here because you told me that you had a problem. I'm showing you how to solve that problem. You can either do it or not. And that's the power of coaching is that ultimately I don't do anything. I can, I can show you a lot of stuff. I can hold you accountable. I can, I can share everything I've learned. Same thing with everybody in the group. But at the end of the day, you got, you got to get up and you, you've got to, you got to do the reps. You got to go to the gym. You've got to put in the work. It's very interesting in mindset you have. And I totally agree because if you can't sell the product or feel it's a reasonable revenue, it's never going to be profitable. If it's not profitable, you're not going to grow. But it's really interesting how many actually go for this. Actually, they they might have sales, but then they start growing before they actually That's have right. the first model profitable. And then it really comes down on them in number three, four, six, seven, eight, or wherever they hit. When they start finding out, they really don't understand the mechanics of the first one. And that's where you see 
sometimes people grow very fast and then i've done this mistake myself by the way yeah grow very fast and then you have to reduce <laughs> significantly so like a one, third of your estate a hundred percent so here's the perfect thing one of the things i hear a lot from prospective members before they come into my group they say well they tell me some version of revenue cures all sins right i just <laughs> need to do more revenue that'll make my fixed costs not sting so uh so badly on my PL. If I can increase revenue, that will lower my revenue or my labor percentage, which is true, but I just don't subscribe to it, right? Because if you're doing, I'm going to make it up $100,000 in revenue, but only making 5%, right? Mm -hmm. So you're making $5,000 for every $100,000 in revenue you generate. Well, then if you look at that and you say, okay, we're going to do $150,000 of revenue, it's 50% more covers you're going to get in the front door. That's 50% more that have to come off the line. That's it just taxes everything to make you do the math an extra $2,500. I would rather say at this current revenue level, let's assume that this is the most revenue we're ever going to do $100,000 in a month. Let's say that's a good business. Let's get that to 20%, let's say. So you're making $20,000 on that $100,000. So that then when we turn up the heat and we actually apply the growth model, in that third step, right? Sales, profit, growth. Then we're doing 150,000. Then we're at $30,000 that we're taking home. It, mm. It's sure better than $7,500. And 99% of the restaurants that I come across, they have a profit problem and then a growth problem. And they all think they just need more revenue. Just tell me how I can get more butts in the seats. This is how marketing agencies really, you know, make their money. They say, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna help you uh, get a lot of new customers. And I'm convinced that I don't think people really need a lot of new customers. I think they need better ways of uh, retaining the customers they already have. Uh, they need a better way of serving them more profitably, more efficiently. And so that's the work we do. Let's make sure that we do what we do. You already do it really well is what I tell everybody. So now let's do it really profitably. And then we can turn up the heat and then we can grow. Rather than working everybody 50% harder, to make an extra two, $3,000. It seems crazy to me. Let's just work smarter and make way more money. That's, that's I think, the model. That's, that's how I approach it. And it's super interesting, again, because what you touch on there is actually something I have discussed in the other things I'm involved in myself, especially when you're in that initial phase of you know, setting the business up, the first sales come true is really to understand how we create profitability, but also who are our thousand fans. You know, sure. Kevin Kelly talks about the thousand fans, the things that Godin talks about it as well. With the thousand fans, they will be there no matter what happens. They will come, they will come maybe multiple times in a the month. They always there. They even buy the t-shirt, you know, they do all these yep. things. They're the true fans. And these are really the one that creates profitability in your business. They are now your marketing machine. So when you focus on just growing, you ignore those thousand true fans. Yeah. And you're exactly right. Kevin Kelly. And if any of the listeners don't know it, it is worth Googling. Kevin yeah. Kelly is uh, one of the smartest uh, people on the planet. And he wrote a very famous blog post, uh, I guess, 15 years ago at this point, something like that. Yeah. And it's been, I don't know, it's been a mantra for so many people, from, from me included. But when you just focus on more, right, for quantity, you ignore quality. And I think what we can get better about doing, I think there are people that want to be our thousand true fans. They just yeah. don't know that they are. We nope. should make sure to tell I them. Haven't met and, you yet. <laughs> and earn, that's right.
I, I think it's super interesting and cheap when you come for that. And and what is the mission then with all your work? Like, you know, without, you know, what is the, the long-term goal? What what is What kind of change are you going to put into the world when you're done with this? I think... I think it's a great question. My mission is to help people do what they love to do, but actually be able to create some legacy to uh, create a better lives for themselves, for their uh, families, really for their employees. I think we make better communities. Like you said, if you're not, you said this at the top of the show, if you're not making profit, you're not going to be around very long. Mm. I believe restaurants are crucial to uh, our communities, to our cities, to our neighborhoods, whether that's small town, big city, you know, suburban market, whatever it is, I think they're crucial. I think they're meeting points. I think that's uh, very much how we've gone the last 60, 70 years. And I think it's only going to grow. I think that's how we uh, exchange thoughts and ideas through flavors. That's how we're introduced to new cultures, right? When new styles move in, there are so many reasons why I think restaurants are great. I think it's also a really great way to make a living because there's a very low barrier of entry and it's very easy to learn the skills you need to be really good in the industry. I think for all of these reasons, there's a great reason for it to exist. And the statistics are heartbreaking. When you look at the average life of a, of a new restaurant, when you look at the average profit margin that a restaurant makes, right? 80% of all restaurants fail in their first three years. But the majority of independent restaurants don't make more than about five or 6% profit. Right. National Restaurant Association has reported that FSR magazine toast. They've all reported statistics that are similar to that. So 80 percent fail of those that survive. The majority don't make more than about five or six percent. And so what we've done in our industry is that owners have opened restaurants and given themselves good jobs. Yeah. And I think that's fine for a period. I think that's right for a year, for a two, for three but I think 10, 15, 20, 25 years down the line, the thing can only succeed if that person is there. I think that's I think that's problematic. And I don't think it has to be that way. So if we create restaurants that are run better, I think it eases the, uh, the stress put on the owner. I think they can benefit from it. I think that supports their families and, again, creates generational wealth. And ultimately, it allows them to reinvest in the business and expand and grow, which means uh, enriching more communities, which means providing more jobs, which means on and on and on. I just think that's the way uh, that's the that's what I want to do. You're talking about a mission is helping people do what they want to do, but show them how to do it really profitably and, and provide for themselves, their families, their communities. And it's really interesting when I interview a lot of businesses here on the podcast and some of the most successful ones, they are really good at running business and building business. And what I mean by that is the profitability bit. There's more than one person that knows in that business how they get to profitability. So that's, that's quite involvement in getting to profitability. It's not just the CEO, founder, owner, chef. It's everyone from bottom up. That's a real good example. And then... They understand they need to build these systems because these systems in within the business become the value add. That's yep. when you're not just selling your job on to someone else in the end. You're actually selling a business with systems. So it's an investment for the new person coming in. So how it's do you funny. create an investment vehicle instead of a business? That's right. So it's funny when we talk about systems because everything in the program that I run, everything I believe comes down to systems and goals. This is not an original idea. This is has been talked about in business forever. But everything comes down to systems and goals, right? So it's what do you want to achieve? What are you going to achieve? Or what are you going to do to achieve that goal, right? 
So what do you want to achieve? That's your goal. What are you going to do to achieve that goal? That's a system. And then we measure it. Say, did did what we uh, what we did uh, make the thing happen? Did it work or did it not work? So what do we want to happen? What are we going to do to make it happen? Did it happen? A system is just a repeatable set of actions. And I think when we say system, we think handbooks, we think programs, we think expensive software. A system is just a repeatable set of actions. We're going to do this and this and this to achieve the following thing. And it becomes a system when we write it down and we teach people and then we hold them accountable for doing that. This is what we want to happen. This is what I need you to do to make that thing happen. And then we see, did, did you do the thing? Did it work? Did you not do the thing I asked you to do? Did it not work? A repeatable set of actions. And I, this is something that I talk about a lot on my podcast, Restaurant Strategies, a lot the things that I talk about in the P3 Mastermind with my members. Let's not dress it up. Let's simplify it down. A system is just a repeatable set of actions. And I think when you think of it in those terms, it makes it feel much closer, much more accessible than thinking like a, you know, a, some giant uh, multinational corporation, yeah. you know, putting systems into place. It's not that. It's just we're going to do the following things to achieve the following goal. Yeah. And it's funny when you say that my background is spent a long career with McDonald's and I learned that this is how we do it. So I, I ran the systems in the restaurant and went to head off and designed them. And that was exactly what you said. It was just figuring out what sequence of these actions is it? Does they work? If they don't, change them, tweak them, remove them, put in the new system that works in principle. It's about these actions you then could go out and teach. And that's again, if you want to learn something about profitable business, go and look at McDonald's. Yeah, sit sure. in it, get a job there, whatever it is. It's it's one of the most powerful systems machines I ever seen in the world, not in the, only in the restaurant system, but also in, in the business world. And you know what happens, especially with a lot of independent restaurant owners, is that they agree with what we're saying. They yeah. say, yeah, I, I hear you. I, I know. Toyota is a powerful company because of the systems that they've done. McDonald's is a powerful company because of the systems that they've integrated. I get it. I just don't have time. And that's what really frustrates me. They don't have time because the restaurant isn't profitable enough to survive without them in the operation, yeah. which is really why I do what I do. And if we can help them find a more profitable way of existing, they can start removing themselves from the day-to-day so they can put these systems into place. Oftentimes what they realize is when they can say, take a deep breath and get above the clouds is they say, they're not supposed to do it at all. You're supposed to delegate. Great. I need you to, you know, what do you do every morning when you, uh, when you open the restaurant, you're really good at opening the restaurant. Can you go write down everything you do? Owner doesn't have to do that. That can be delegated. Hey, this bartender is really good at closing the bar. Can you just write down everything you do? Cause I love what you do. I love how you do it but I just need you to write it down. Can you be, uh, can you have that to me uh, by Friday? Right. It's fine. That person does what they do every single day. A lot of times the restaurant owner uh, feels like they've got to do it all themselves. And I think one of the most powerful things that, uh, that they learn, again, this is something we teach in the program. It's more than anything else. It's executive coaching. It's showing leaders how to be better leaders, but you delegate, right? The president of the United States does not run the country. He makes final decisions, but he has an entire cabinet around him who knows much more about each individual area than the than than a single person ever would. So put together a bunch of smart people, oversee them, and the company uh, and the country runs. That's true for the biggest countries, the biggest uh, companies. It's the same thing that's true for a, a smaller restaurant. 
it's just a whole bunch of different departments and you don't have to know everything about everything. You should know a little bit about a lot of things, but delegate it to the experts and let them do what they know how to do really well. So, so we talked about some concept you say here, and I totally agree with that approach as well. And, and it comes again, I was on a webinar yesterday where somebody said that there's, there's not a time to create system around your people, for example, said so people is the most expensive asset you have, and you don't have time to figure out what really works <laughs> in your business. So how we, that's again, a big, big leverage is to, to make a profit is that you actually get the right people on board and the wrong people off and all that. But what actually was leading me to is you're talking about that. What do you see as people go through your program, read your books, what kind of results are they coming out with in the other end? What happens? What's like, what kind of change is probably different from each of them, but like what, what is really the big, big learnings you've had? Yeah. So I'll take that in two pieces in the program that I run. The number one thing is we're taking restaurants from struggling or failing, right? So that they're operating at a loss or break even, or just a couple of percentage points profit. And we show them, this is how you should be arranging your PL. This is how everybody should be reading the PL. Again, this is how you forecast. This is how you budget. This is how you target net income at the beginning of the period. If I'm going to do $100,000 in revenue, I expect to make $20,000 at the end of the month. That the P&L doesn't become a report card to see like, oh, let's see what happened. But it becomes a report card on the actions you took. And so largely what I do is I show people how to be really um, proactive with their management. For the most part, when people show up, when they do the work, when they ask the questions, when they do what we show them to do, they will see a huge change. They will go from 5 to 18%. They'll go from minus 10 to plus 15% in profit on that P&L. So if people do what we show them to do, it can't help but work. I mean, we've got dozens and dozens of case studies um, of people who have gone through the program. If they do what we show them to do, they can't help but succeed. And every single week we get somebody coming forward and saying, hey, I just implemented all the forecasting and the budgeting. I just took my team through the, the first period where we really did it. And I can't believe it. We always operated in, you know, September, August or September, which are slow months here uh, in, in much of the United States, right? They say, you know, we always operate at, you know, break even or a little bit of a loss. And I just made 14%. I've run this business for eight years and I've never made money in August and September. I've got a client that I always love to talk about who runs a beer garden, right? Big beer garden in New York City down in the Lower East Side. It's a hip area, but it's mainly outside. And so they have huge swings in revenue. So mm. in the summer, they'll do $700,000 in revenue in a given month. But in, let's say, January, February, March, they'll do 200000 And this guy came to me and he said, and he was so resistant and so skeptical to what I was showing him how to do. And he said, we just can't do it. I bought this business eight years ago. I've never made money in the first quarter. The guy that I bought it from told me I was never going to make money in first quarter. He says, don't spend any of your profit from the fourth quarter because you're going to need it to cover all your losses for the first quarter. And I said, it's absolutely wrong. I don't subscribe to it. Absolutely no way. And he says, well, you're going you're gonna to have a really hard time convincing me. And I convinced him and he gave over to it and he did what I showed him to do. And he, and he literally walked in. He was like, okay, January was at a loss. That's when he started with us. He ran it in February. And he's like, okay. He's like, I usually run at a 10% loss, right? So he loses $20,000, $25,000 every January, every February, every March. And he said, here it is. I made $35,000. It was like, 
I did what you showed me to do. That's what he said. And he said, you know, I had hard conversations. I made difficult decisions, which I told him he was going to have to do. But ultimately, getting the core expenses in line are how we do it. The, the expenses, right, labor and cost of goods sold have to be tethered to revenue. Our industry is so hard because we have not one, not two, but three moving targets, right? Number one is revenue. We don't know how much money we're going to generate in a given month. Because of that, we don't know how we should order. So cost of goods sold is becomes variable. And we don't know how much to schedule. Well, I think Friday is going to be busy, so I'll schedule eight people. But maybe it's not busy because it rains mm -hmm. and we really only we really could have done it with five. We overpaid by three people. It's really hard because we've got revenue, cogs, and labor as moving targets. If we chose to get into this industry and we choose to operate within this industry, we have to get good at, at predicting the future. That's what I show people how to do. And I show people how to manage things proactively in the period, which P.S., guess what? All the biggest chains in the world do this, all the biggest restaurant groups in the world. And I look at really great restaurant groups here in the United States, like Union Square Hospitality, like Boca Restaurant Group, like Let Us Entertain You, like the Mina Restaurant Group. That's what they do. They've got controls for these things. And all I do is show independent operators what the big guys do. So mm. here's what the big guys do. This is how you can apply it to your restaurant and actually make an extra 100, 200, 300 plus thousand dollars in a given year. So that's the change that we see. And I've got dozens of case studies that show, hey, I, I just didn't believe I could make money and I showed you how to do it and we do it. And I get people who get really emotional who say, I just, there's another guy down in, uh, in Florida. He runs a deli concept. He never made more than 3%. So it was about $4,000, $5,000 every single month in profit. And I showed him how to get his cost of goods sold in line, how to get his labor in line. First month he implemented it, he went from 3% profit to 15 and a half, and then 16 and a half, and then 18 and a half, right? He's now been in the program for about six months. And it's in three months, we completely changed his business. That's the kind of stuff we do in that program, in the P3 Mastermind program. So for people that are generating profit, but just don't know how to do it profitably, we can give them a couple of key systems to help them forecast budget and market with greater intentionality. Those are the results there. On the book side, and the book's been out now, I don't know, month and a half, so hasn't been circulating that long. The biggest thing I wanted people to get, so it's called The Restaurant Marketing Mindset. And I wanted independent operators and owners to change their mindset, change the way they think about marketing. Because most mm. independent operators, I ask them, I say, hey, tell me about your marketing. They either say, well, this is what we do on social media. And social media is not marketing. It's a tool available to the marketer, but it is not marketing. So either they're totally off on what marketing is, or they tell me, well, we can't, we can't do marketing. We just we're just a small company. We can't afford to do marketing as if it's only reserved for Coca-Cola and Nike and BMW, right? But if we sell things to other human beings, we have to figure out what those human beings want and how best to convince those human beings that we have the solution to their problem. That's ultimately what marketing is. And I hope what people get from the book and what I'm starting to hear is that that is resonating. They didn't think about their business in terms of solving problems, about answering people's prayers, about understanding how they fit in the market. It's the whole first part of the book. We talk about that. And then over the course of it, we try to get more intentional about the way that we uh, we do that. And again, it comes down to systems and goals. Halfway through the book or so, uh, or so, 
I uh, introduce people to what I call the triangle principle. Triangle principle basically says there are only three things you need to do to successfully market a restaurant, right? You got to get people in, you got to get people back, and you got to get those people talking. For the life of me, I can't think of anything else that we need to happen. And again, when we think about systems and goals, you think, what do we need to happen? I need to get people in. I need to get those people back. I need to get those people raving about their experience. So those are the things we need to happen. Then we could spend the rest of our time talking about what tactics, what are the things we should do to make those very specific things happen. And maybe that's social media, maybe that's email, and maybe that's SEO optimization, you know, maybe whatever it is. But oftentimes we lose sight of what we're trying to accomplish. And that's what I'm trying to fix. I love to work with the team over at BizSimply because they are always striving to get better, 1% better every day. So I had to share this with you because BizSimply have launched a new blogcast which highlights some of their favorite hospitality maverick podcast episodes over time. And if you're a new or hardcore super fan of the show, this is a perfect opportunity to catch up with some of the standout episodes from our massive back catalog. The Simply team has and will be extensively transcribing interesting moments from each episode while providing some new insights on our brilliant guests, the Mavericks. There's already some great write-ups with Mavericks like Chef Chantel Nicholson, and the co-founder of Singerman's community of businesses, Ari Weinswein. Find them at bizsimply.com blog and click blogcast on the right side menu. Enjoy. It's really interesting you say that because I've had a couple of conversation recently and it's been about, you know, they either call it building the audience, getting more people in the door, and they are much more focusing on getting them in the door and then I said, and then what? What exactly? What's going to happen then? What right. are the experience, feelings, touch points that you are doing to get them back? And most important, talk about this as the visit of the, the quarter of their life, you know, and then they will go and spread that to 10 people. It's the, it's the two pieces that are really important. Two of the yeah. frameworks that I introduce in the book. First one in the very opening of the book, first I don't know, six chapters, talks about the ABCDs of marketing, right? And basically, it's a way of thinking about positioning, but I think it's an yeah. easier way of approaching it, right? ABCD stands for audience, brand, competition, and differentiation. So yeah. figuring out who your audience is, who has a problem you can solve. B, your brand, your restaurant is the solution to someone's problem. C, competition. You look around and say, who's trying to solve the same problem that we are? And then finally, differentiation. You say, okay, we've got competitors who are in a category. How do we separate ourselves from the competitors? Meaning, this is that very technical marketing term, value proposition. Why does someone choose one thing over another? And when we introduce that in the book, and I think we lay it out in a much more easy to digest way, we say, who has a problem you can solve? How do you solve that problem? Who else is trying to solve that problem? And how do you stand out from them? How do you convince people that you've got the best solution or a more compelling solution to the problem? And I always say A, B, C, D leads to E. E stands for everything. Everything you do helps to communicate those things. So we have to start by understanding 
who can we serve? Which is is nice because we're in the service industry. We we exist to serve. And I think too often, especially over the last 20 years, we've been really focused on what we want to do. We're going to create this kind of restaurant with this kind of food and people are going to love it and blah, blah, blah. We didn't stop to say, what do people need? You can still do what you want to do, but there, it has to, there has to be a meeting there. So that's the first framework that we introduce people to in the book. And we go into much greater depth and I think it gives you a really good understanding. But then, yes, once you understand all of that, what's the problem you're solving? How do you solve it better than anyone else? Then we get to that framework of the triangle principle, which is what are the things we're actually trying to do? That actually, that has to do with what we do to market. But you have to think about what you're trying to accomplish. And the power of the triangle principle, like you just suggested, is that we do it in reverse order, right? So instead of uh, what I call attraction, which is that customer acquisition piece, and then retention, the customer retention piece, and then what I call evangelism, which is about sparking word of mouth, we do that in reverse order. Because we say, you already get customers coming in. Let's make sure that everybody here raves about their experience and is poised to come back. And then we create that flywheel effect. So then every new person we come in, we say, well, we already have a system to get them to talk about us and to get them to come back. So now as we put a system into place to get new people in the door, the flywheel's working. We know the other pieces are already in place. But when we focus on just getting new butts in the door, we spend money to acquire the customer. They come in, they have a meal and they leave and they're gone. And getting us to think, and I think this is how we can better our industry, thinking about that that idea of CLV, customer lifetime value, right? Which is, which is what big companies do. Yeah. What's the lifetime value of a given customer? We can understand, well, about how often can I... Uh, expect them to return over the course of the year. What about over the course of the next five years or 10 years? Then that'll help you make better decisions about how much you spend to actually go acquire the customer. This is something we largely don't ever talk about with independent restaurant owners. And really interesting, uh, as you talk there, Chip, you also, you talk about the flywheel effect. And if you probably read this book, I'm quite sure the book, Good to Great. If you go and read that book, they are obsessively focusing on where they can create consistency to stand out in the market. And it can sometimes yeah. be some boring stuff. They just do again and again and again. But it's that they just know if we push that slowly every day, the swing wheel effect will take care of it. These action works. We just have to keep doing it and we are growing this. And they both have this loyalty internally from their staff, which is one of the big challenges we have right now. And they have it from their customers. Southwest Airlines is a good to great company, yep. for example. Yep. It's funny. I, I, I love the book I've written. I feel really passionate about the, the contents of that book. If you only buy one business book, buy good to great. It is yeah. the best business book ever written. In, and, it, and it absolutely specifically applies to the restaurant industry. Yeah. If you buy a second book, I hope you'll go out and find my book. But if you buy one, <laughs> Skip mine and get good to great because Jim Collins wrote it. There's seven powerful ideas in there. Everything from the fly, uh, the flywheel to level five leadership to the hedgehog concept. And as you get through the book, you'll understand what each of these things mean. And they have made me better at my job. They've made uh, the people that I work with better because that's what uh, so much of what I believe in. It is a great book. Yeah, well, I, I I used it very early on in my career where I had a, a good professor at, at my business school when I went back to business school, similar to you, and he gave me good to great. And actually, that was how we built the whole 
engine around the business. But coming back to your book, because I was always fascinated people sit down and write a book. And of course, you had an idea about you want to get your message out there. But what what did you learn as you wrote that book? Because people often don't know that before they start that process. Um, yeah, it was. It was about, process. Yeah, it's, it was about three years to to get the thing written in it. And it sort of shifted definitely over the over the course of it. What I learned, what I tried to stay really focused on is what do I want people to get? I want mm -hmm. people to understand that if they sell things to other human beings, they're marketing. And so it was written for someone who thinks they can't do marketing or they don't know how to do marketing. And I said, no, this is what marketing is. And if there's anything I'm really good at, it's taking complicated ideas and distilling them down and making them much more easy to understand. So if you read the book, there's almost no original ideas in there. What no. is original are the frameworks and the systems that I give you. It's a new way of thinking about ideas that have been around for 100 years. What I really tried to do was just make it easy to understand and easy to implement and take action on. And what I learned over the course of that was that I can I can do that better. And uh, when every time I thought I was doing it, I would read back over it and say, no, it can be better. It can be simpler. It, I can distill this down further. Mostly, I think what happens when anybody writes a book is you're forced to articulate exactly what you mean. Because I can't have a conversation and you can't say, I, I'm a little fuzzy on that. Can you explain it a different way? And then I say, yeah, okay, let me, I only get one shot. And yeah. so it forced me to really get articulate with what I believe. And so it really solidified a lot of the the, the ideas that that I had and a lot of the frameworks that I was, that I'd been developing for years, but it helped me do it in a, in a, in a better way. I love that because actually often what happens, Ari from Singerman's has been on the show and yeah. I asked him a similar question why he wrote down all this stuff they're doing. And he said, it's like actually very egoistically so I can become very clear about communicating what I want other people to. And then it's been very helpful for a lot of people besides that. And it's really what his, his, his ego, what his ego drove him. And then he found out the organization really benefit and then blah, 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 the rest of history. If you should say anyone that's really good to this, because it almost sounds like it's like when you talk about marketing, you talk about marketing from a profitability point of view. You're not talking about your sales and getting more customers in and brand. You really have this like business kind of acronym. It's really important in understanding how the whole machine works together from that's marketing, right. sales, operation, people. Da, 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 da. Who is good at this? Because that's a lot of things you think... If, Eventually, when you start out, that can be quite daunting. When if we should look around, who would you, if you name drop somebody who is experts in executing at, on this? At mar uh, exp explain at marketing at sort of piecing it all together, or just doing the whole thing. Because I guess you can't just do the marketing; you need to piece the whole thing together. So, who yep. is like role models in the industry? You would say, you know, go and look at them, what they're doing. Like that, that's some inspiration there. There, there are so many. Luckily, there are so many great companies out there. Uh, being here in New York City, I can't help but point to Union Square Hospitality Group and Shake Shack, which is an yeah. extension of of really they began as a as a piece of Union Square Hospitality. Those two companies, I think, do things really well. Um, I think McDonald's. I think McDonald's is is really good. There's nothing but like case study after case study after case study, and those end up being uh, being really helpful. The other one that I uh, that I love to talk about 
is Chipotle because I think mm. Chipotle does a lot of things yeah. really well, whether you like them or not. From yeah. a from a case study perspective, from what they're trying to do, from from who they are, how they fit in the market, what they know about themselves, and how they do that profitably and continue to grow and all that, I think they've done they've done it. And those are when I give examples, right? We have to give big examples because you won't yeah. necessarily know your listeners won't know the 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 companies or the small restaurants, the independents that I that I talk about, but at a large scale. Yeah. Those are companies. Those are companies that do it well. The other thing that I would say is that I think there are a lot of smaller companies that do a piece of this really well, but maybe not other pieces. Yeah. And so, what I would urge all your listeners to do is start sussing this up out for themselves and look at okay, who does who does who does customer retention really well? Who does guest experience really well? Who does you know profitability? Who does systems really well? Right. There's a there's a company in uh, Michigan based out of Michigan called Big B Coffee and yeah. Big B Coffee is probably the only company in the world better at systems than Starbucks and McDonald's mm. because they've tethered the systems to humans. And Starbucks is sort of famous for the the different systems that they give to the, the baristas and the different roles in there. At Big B just talking, and again, Mike McFall, who's one of the co-founders of that company, was very deliberate about that. He's like, you know, I, I want human-based systems. It has to be systematized, but I also want to see if we can systematize human nature and, and make it so it's not only runs efficiently and profitably, but like it becomes a really good place to work and a really great, therefore, a great place to visit because you're around a lot of people who are working at a place that's really great to work at. And that's part of his sort of flywheel. So it's not dissimilar to what uh, Danny Meyer talks about when he talks about no. enlightened hospitality, but his idea is, Hey, I, I think this, this just might be the thing that'll help us do better in business. And they've grown like crazy over the last 10 years. So I have to believe that something's working. Uh, it's very interesting. Also, when you talk, I hear you saying it's like they, they all have gone and found their old algorithm, their own recipe to this and then they have taken the best bit from different places and put it into works in their context and i think that's also we have to remember because you hire somebody from an organization that has done that that they can't go and do it in the same way they can that's take right. all the technical bit and i think often that i done this mistake myself left mcdonald's and hired all these mcdonald's managers and they were not able to survive in an entrepreneurial environment because it's a very different mindset and belief system you need to have there. So they already failed there and the systems are not there. So you're not running system, you're building systems. So that's a really great point. It's funny. I've got a client and they're a growing company and because they're growing, they knew they needed infrastructure and systems. And the, uh, the owner, the, the main founder would hire a bunch of people from uh, big chains because he said, that's something chains do. And one of the things that we discovered in coaching with them, with the leadership team, is those were people that were probably good rule followers, system followers, but not system builders. And yeah. this particular company, the owner is creative, is outside the box thinking. Uh, that's what they do really well. And ultimately, the leaders that succeed in that company are also outside the box thinkers. Uh, a lot of them are good at getting the job done. But by nature, in order to succeed in that company, you have to be outside the box thinkers. And when you get a manager who spent 12 years at Golden Corral, 
There is no outside the box thinking. There's no creativity required. In fact, it's not, it's not, it's not invited. It's just, we know the system. We know what makes it work. Just do this. Follow the, follow the checklist, follow the worksheet. I said, you want people, you don't need people who are going to follow checklists. You need people who are going to think outside the box with you and create new checklists based on everything that already exists. Well, we like this from this company, that from that company, that from that company. And ultimately it took us about two years to sort of push out the people who we then realized weren't going to work and find new people who were going to work within that system. And it's been mm. like night and day over the last, I'll say two and a half years. Yeah. Super interesting. Super interesting. What advice would you give to leaders that's out there building a business as a force for good and within, I say, indirectly profitable? What is your top advice? The most important piece that a leader brings to the table is vision, is having a really clear idea of what we're trying to do, right? I talk about, you know, Sean Walshef, right? Sean is yeah. the founder yeah. of Cali Barbecue Media. He and I gave a talk last year, and there's a little bit from that talk that made its way into the book. We sort of added on to Simon Sinek's uh, start with why, right? That that yeah. all great companies work from you know the inside out. Why we do what we do, how that makes us different than everyone else, and what that then manifests into. And Sean and I sort of extrapolated, went one further, and said, really, it's the two whys, right? Why do you exist? Why why does this business need to exist? And why should anyone care, yeah. right? And I think that ultimately is a leader's job to understand why they exist, meaning, hey, we belong in the market for the following reasons, or we believe there's room in the market for the following reasons. This is why we exist. And then you've got to explain to everybody else why they why they should care. You have to explain it to employees. You have to explain it to investors. You have to explain it to the community and to ultimately the customers. Answering those two questions, I think, is a leader's number one job. Why do we exist? Why does that matter? Why do we exist? Why should anyone else care? And I think if we start focusing on everything else, we, we miss something really crucial. We're just we're just going to stumble out of the gate. If you've got a really, if you know the answers to those two questions, you've got a really good foundation to do all the rest of your work. That's who do we hire? How do we hire? How do we train? How do we develop staff? How do we how do we build our steps of service? What does first approach look like? What food do we put on the menu? It's really going to inform everything else. Yeah. Uh, we got to take the time to answer those two questions. Yeah, and I, I call it in, in the hospitality mavericks world, we call it a clarity of uh, purpose and direction. Yeah. Because if you don't have that, you can't build all the other things. You can build something, but they're not connected, and therefore they will fail as a system or people don't understand why we're doing what we're doing. And ultimately that happens more than we realize, right? Yeah. And I talk about this a lot in the book when we talk about marketing, but you know, marketing is more than the stuff you do. Yeah. Right? And the idea of the book is that by the time we get to the end of the book, hopefully people understand, oh, let me think about, let me work with the end in mind. What do I want to accomplish? Then what should I be doing to accomplish that goal, right? There's things yeah. you do to accomplish one specific goal other things you do to accomplish another specific goal that I think one of the things that we get in the habit of in restaurants is we just do what everyone else does, or we do what everyone else tells us we should do. Everyone has a loyalty program. I need a loyalty program. I don't know that everybody needs a loyalty program. I don't know that everyone needs the same loyalty program that everyone else is using. Yeah. I don't know that everybody should, uh, should have a really strong presence on social media. I think having an identity on social media, but I haven't been convinced 
that followers and likes translates to revenue across the board. Some concepts in some markets, but I've tested this with my own thing. I've gone months where I put out one or two videos every single day on all three, Facebook, Instagram, really four, TikTok and LinkedIn. And then I've gone months where I haven't done more than about one a week. And it's made very little difference in my business. That's because I've got such a robust advertising arm to our business. So I'm not convinced that it's worth the effort to spend $1,000 or $1,500 to get somebody who's creating content and posting that content and engaging when maybe you could just reinvest that $1,500 into a, into a targeted ad spend. Now, when we start thinking in terms of the results, that will help dictate what we do. Love that. Love that. Really, really, really. Because actually often we're obsessed about the activity instead of the results we really can learn from. And often we don't, if it doesn't work, we don't really want to face the brutal facts, as they say. In, uh, totally. Seven, eight years ago, when I started uh, basically my social media marketing, what became a digital marketing agency in New York City, is everybody would sit down and say, what's the ROI on your work? I said, that's a great question. Talk to me about what you're doing now and talk to me about how you're measuring ROI. And ultimately, they couldn't answer the question. I said, we just, it's a great, you asked the question though, I think, because somebody told you that you should be asking me the question. Yeah. And it's the right question. But to yeah. be really clear, you're not asking that question of yourself in all the other areas of your business. And I know that for the following reasons, largely because I just asked you and you couldn't come up with an answer. So I would challenge all independent operators to really think about that return on investment, right? I would be willing to spend $1,000 if I knew it could generate $5,000 in net sales or $4,000 in net sales, whatever that, whatever that is. But then you get really focused and say, okay, well, how can I measure that? How can I track that? You want to be able to know. And as a, as a marketer, you know, from the agency side, I was obsessed with that because that shows my value. Yeah. Look, we spent this much and it generated this much in revenue. That's why you hire me. That's why it's worth having me. Chip, what is the one thing you wish I've asked you I didn't? What would it be? And what would you answer? What are the first steps? So I would say, well, what are the first steps that someone could take, right? If they're sitting here and they're going, all oh, this is great. What, what should I do to, to take steps on it, right? That, that's, I think, something, right? So whether you go out and buy the book, all right, doesn't matter. it doesn't matter to me. It's out there as a resource to the world. I think it will help. Even if you don't, I think you should think really deeply about the problem you solve, about why you do it better or how you do it and more why you're a more compelling choice than anyone else. And then take an hour of your life and do an audit on your entire business and make sure that everything out there is aligned to properly tell that story and to properly solve the problem you've got, right? Or the problem that you're trying to solve. If you can do that, and then what happens, you'll create a laundry list and say, well, this is out of alignment. This isn't in alignment. This, this can be fixed. This can be, you're going to create a laundry list and then just start crossing things off the list. Start with the low hanging fruit, right? So, hey, our, you know, we want to be really hospitable. Uh, it turns out our phone, uh, you know, our, our, our voicemail messages isn't very friendly. You can record a new voicemail. You know, our, our, our restaurant is beautiful, but our website is substandard. Let's make your website as beautiful as your restaurant. Let's make it a reflection, an extension of your restaurant. You just start crossing things off the list. 
So if you can just do one thing leaving this conversation is to think really clearly about the problem you solve, meaning why you exist and why people should care and make sure everything you do from the signage out front to the business cards, to your website, to the food you serve, to the way you played it, to the way it's priced, to the way your servers approach the table, to the everything, everything, make sure everything is in, is in alignment to tell that story. And if it's not, start chipping away little by little every single day and make sure that you get things better and better and better. And over the course of a month or two months, you'll have everything in alignment. If you just do one thing, that's the question that I would love that I would love to uh, for everyone to to take with them. That's great. I love that, Chip. Thank you. Great question. So where can people find out more, connect with you if they want to? Yeah, for sure. So uh, my podcast is the Restaurant Strategy Podcast. If you're looking for something else, because I know people who listen to podcasts don't just listen to one. Hospitality Mavericks is awesome. Michael, what you do is really special. If you, you. want to learn more, go check there. Uh, go visit uh, restaurantstrategypodcast.com. That's where you really see my entire ecosystem. The coaching programs are there. The the speaking stuff is there. Uh, there's all kinds of little like giveaways, eBooks, things like that. You can link to the uh, the podcast from there. That's probably the best way to do that. And you can get the book anywhere, right? If you go to Amazon, it's probably the easiest way for everyone to get it. You'll see it's uh, it's available there, The Restaurant Marketing Mindset. Good. We'll put all that in the show notes as well, Chip. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Power and energy to the journey ahead of making restaurants more profitable. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate that you're listening in. So if you enjoyed today's conversation, please share with others rate it or give it a review or subscribe to one of our channels which all can be done via the website hospitalitymavericks.com I believe that reading books is key to become a great leader so I've helped you with a curated list of some of the books that have impacted the guests here in the show and myself over the years find it on Hospitality Mavericks website hospitalitymavericks.com under the reading list a big thank you to BizTemply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help leaders to become better every day. Check them out at BizSimply.com or on their social at BizSimply or BizSimplyHQ. You can also email them directly at podcast at BizSimply.com. If you have any ideas and feedback for the show or other thoughts, reach out to me via LinkedIn or my email, michael at hospitalitymaverick.com. I'm Michael Tinkser, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick Podcast Show. Be Maverick!